thank you guys for joining the Shot to Side podcast. We got a special uh, edition uh, Charlotte Hornets breakdown for you guys today. Uh, this is one of Matt's uh, favorite teams, I believe, with Lamella or Lamelo. Um, Matt, Lamella. how you doing? <laughs> doing good here. Excited for this pod. Good to talk about Lamelo Ball. It's always a fun. Been following him since he was a youngin. I'm looking forward yeah, to I- it. I heard that you're going to the Twin Cities Pro-Am on Thursday. I might have to join you on that. Yeah, yeah. I was planning on going to it. It's supposed to be the, the championship there. Maybe uh, see Tyus kind of a throwback to when we used to go watch him in high school. Right. Or possibly Josh Minot. I heard he's there as well. Or Minot or Nathan Knight. Nathan Knight dropped 47 last night at the Pro-Am. Ooh. Yeah, we'll see if the if the T wolves end up keeping him on the team after bringing in uh, another center in Rudy Gobert. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I could maybe see Nas going out the door too if we get a pick for him. Yeah, it could be a possible trade, but um, we are not here to just talk about the Timberwolves today. <laughs> <laughs> we do have the Charlotte Hornets on deck. Um, I'm just gonna go through their additions and, and subtractions so far. Um, not a lot of additions though, besides their rookies that they got, they got Mark Williams and then they also got Bryce McGowan's, which both of them look pretty good in summer league so far. So it'll be kind of interesting to see how they integrate onto this team during the regular season. Um, subtractions on the team. Montrez Harrell is still a free agent. Um, Scotty Lewis, Isaiah Thomas, who did the, they did not pick up. Um, so they really didn't lose a whole lot besides just Montrez Harrell, which they could still end up signing back. Um, and then also Miles Bridges is still a free agent. Um, we'll talk about him a little bit later in the podcast as well. Um, so Matt, if you want to go through their kind of starting unit, just their roster, um, and then we'll get into the breakdown. Yeah, so you can kind of assume that their starters will probably be LaMelo at the point, obviously, and then Terry Rozier at shooting guard, Gordon Hayward at small forward, Washington at power forward, and center will probably be the big, burly Mason Plumley again. Um, just been killing it these last few years. Um, the biggest thing for them, I think, you know, in this starting lineup is just having a little bit more continuity. Um, I know, like, Gordon Hayward, didn't play a ton last year. I think he played like around like 40 games or so. And you can definitely like tell the difference when he's in there and not versus when he's not in there. Cause I think he's a real sturdy and consistent player out there usually when he's on the court. Um, but as far as like, just like their depth chart in general, I think they, they addressed a lot of their needs this off season besides also having a huge loss, which we'll talk about later. Um, I think like adding somebody like Mark Williams uh, as some center depth is big. Yeah, I know. I don't know if Alex said anything about Mark Williams in the past, but I've been a. I was a big proponent of the Wolves trying to trade up to get him. Um, yeah, that would have been nice. Obviously, obviously that problem was solved with a a Frenchman that we happened to get. Um, <laughs> but. As far as Mark Williams goes, I think he didn't he didn't do as great as like you would have hoped in the summer league. I think some people thought he struggled a little bit at times, but I think uh, he's going to be good for them. I think he, he's a highly athletic center, and I think 
at the very least, he's just going to be a lob threat for LaMelo um, coming down the lane. Um, and then as far as uh, McGowan's goes, I think he he's actually really nice. Uh, he went to Nebraska, um, so he's a Big Ten guy. I think he actually fell a little bit like further in the draft than I thought he was. I thought he was going to go higher than that. Um, I think – was it end up being the second round or was it a late first? Yeah, he was second round, and he showed in some yeah, way like how great of a shooter or scorer he can be too. So kind of a yeah, shocker. Yeah, he can even play some defense too. So, um, yeah, I like that pickup for them. And then, you know, I, I don't know if Alex wants to touch more into it yet, but like um, the – just like the main elephant in the room is kind of like what's happening with Miles Bridges because – he was obviously a, a huge part of their team last year. I, he averaged like career best numbers in like almost every statistic. So um, I think, you know, this has to be a kind of hurtful for Hornets fans, just like to have such a young promising player. It's kind of like, you know, especially when you had so much to look forward to like this coming year, but um, I don't know. You want to talk a little bit more about it? Yeah, I'll I'll touch base on it here real quick, but yeah, I mean he was the leading scorer for the Hornets last year at twenty point two a game. I think Lamelo was at twenty point one, so pretty close. But um, by far the biggest story coming from Charlotte is, you know, Miles Bridges getting charged with three felony charges of domestic violence, which happened on June 29th, uh, in which he ended up posting bail for one hundred thirty thousand um, dollars. Kind of weird that it was that low, but. Um, he was also uh, accused of doing this like in front of his children. So if that is the case, um, this is a, a very serious issue, um, that will not be handed out lightly by the NBA, let alone, uh, the justice as well. So, um, if he is found accused of this, you know, he's not going to be in the NBA, you know, I don't know what you know, how long he would be out necessarily, but it's, it's going to be for a long time if he's, if he's accused of this and found guilty. Um, but we'll find more out on the preliminary hearing, which is scheduled for August 19th. So, um, got a couple of weeks until we figure out what's going to happen with, um, Miles Bridges. Yeah. And, uh, keep in mind that it happened in LA County too. So, not not the the best place for something like that to happen. Um, we we'll have to keep our eyes posted on that because uh, he's definitely a big part of their team. Um, you know, I'm not really gonna make an opinion either way, just because I don't know. Like, haven't like like super in depth in it, so I don't want to, you know, cash tra- cash him for uh, something I don't know a ton about. So. Um, but I think, uh, just like to, from a Hornets perspective, I think it's more just, you kind of just have to look at the situation without him just, just in case. So, um, they're definitely gonna have to find scoring in other ways this year. I think LaMelo is still at a point where I, I believe in him a lot. So I think that he's still at a point where he can take a, another step forward. It was only his second year last year. I think, um, he's going to have to take on a bigger brunt of the scoring, especially if uh, Bridges is gone. Um, I know he's already averaging like, what, like 21 points last year or something, or 20 points. Yeah, 20 um, points. But, 
honestly, without Bridges, like if they're going to be competitive, he's going to have to like bump that up to like twenty-seven, maybe even. Um, He'd have to have like which an all-star I, type of season. Yeah, or maybe even like a third-team All NBA type season. Um, yeah. But I think like uh, like somebody else that really is going to have to step it up is going to be somebody like Kelly Oubre too. I think. Uh, he's got to be more consistent this year. Um, Cause I, I, you know, with like the size of Gordon Hayward, like if they want to, they can even do um, like Hayward at the four, even because I know he played there a couple or at times last year. Cause miles bridges isn't, isn't the tallest guy either. So they're the, or the Hornets are used to going like with a smaller type lineup. So um, I th- I would say those are the two biggest guys that are going to have to step it up. What what are your opinions on that? Could you see somebody else being a guy that steps up? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think Terry Rozier, their third leading scorer with 19 a game, I think he's a big factor in this. Um, his defense has gotten better over the years, I think, you know, especially on ball uh, perimeter defense. But uh, his scoring's kind of, you know, up and down, especially last year. He'll have games where – he puts up like, you know, high 20, low 30 point games um, and they still end up losing. So I think it's a balance between Terry's got to, you know, pick his spots and um, field goal percentage was only, you know, 52 percent from two point range, which isn't the greatest um, from a from a two guard. So he's got to get that up as well, as well as um you know, shot pretty decent from three at, you know, 37 and a half percentage. Um, but, you know, if Miles Bridges is out, you know, Lamel is going to need more than just help from the scoring aspect. It's going to be passing the ball as well, which Terry can do well. Gordon Hayward can do well. So, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not that big on Kelly Oubre. I don't think he's kind of that answer for this team. You know, he, He's a good scorer, don't get me wrong, but uh, defensively, we saw it last year with this Hornets team that, you know, they really couldn't, you know, manage much on the defensive end to stop teams, even when they were putting up, you know, probably a top five offense and, you know, close to 100 and, you know, 12, 15 points a game. So um, what are your thoughts on um, just improvement on this defense? Um, You know, some of the players they brought in, rookies wise mark williams and bryce mcgowan's definitely add to that defensive you know aspect but are they going to be able to contribute right away is the question yeah so i mean i think uh you usually like people like mark mcgowan or not mark mcgowan's uh mark williams uh like a center can usually contribute <laughs> at both. least like a little <laughs> yeah at least a little bit just because like um, they can shot block and stuff like that. So I think, I think he'll be at least a, a solid like backup center for them this year. Um, not too high on like somebody like Nick Richards. So, um, I would rather see Mark Williams play over him. Um, but I think that, oh, they're going to have to, aside from like Kelly Oubre, like sit more for like the defensive end, like they're going to have to re- rely a lot more on, um, Martin to step up this year because he's probably one of, if not their best defender on this team. Um, and there, he actually, he played the, about 20 minutes a game last year. So like 
I could see him even playing maybe closer to 25 to 30 minutes this year just because of how much better defender he is than some of those other guys on the team. So um, it's really more like can he get it going on the offensive end um, to keep him on the court because I think it his defense is on question, but you you can't really have somebody out there that's no offensive liability as much. Um, I know it's like, it's kind of a similar situation with like Isaac Okoro, like on the Cavs, where like it's tough to play him all the time because like he's such a good defender, but at the same time he can't get it going on offense all the time. So kind of a similar situation, but I think at the very least he'll at least get the opportunity to like impact the game a little bit more without Miles Bridges there because. If I'm not mistaken, Bridges accounted for like, uh, I'm pretty sure like 15 to 16 shots a game last year. So that's, you know, that's a lot of opportunity for people, yeah, for people to go around. So, um, not sure what his usage percentage was off the top of my head. I was trying to look here quick. Uh, 20, yeah, so 22% usage percentage. So, I mean, that's, a fifth of their team there. So that's a lot of, that's a lot of um, usage to go around. Um, So definitely people that weren't handling the ball as much last year are going to be getting a lot more touches this year. So hopefully they can make good use of them. Um, And I think even though like Bridges was doing like super good last year, like there's still, there's still things that Bridges does that like hindered them at times. Like, on the defensive end, he wasn't always always the best, um, and sometimes he took too many risks to um, trying to go for like certain like flashier plays versus taking like the easy play at times. Um, but I don't know they're, they're going to be an interesting team. I think they're they're kind of in a tough spot, like especially if Bridges is out. I think like I mean Lamelo is going to have to have a great year this year. Yeah, um, in my opinion, I think the main thing, like this team, needs to find some sort of defensive um, game plan to be able to go through this next year because the defensive numbers for this team were god awful. And um, you know, even looking at their the players that played last year, like most of them were healthy the entire season, so there was no reason why they should have been as you know bad as they came out in the Eastern Conference. You know, they're Gordon Hayward and Montrez Harrell were probably the only two that really got injured a lot. Gordon Hayward played 49 games. Montrez only played 25. So, but everybody else played over 65 games pretty much for their team that, you know, got meaningful minutes. So. Well, and Montrez wasn't on the team the whole year. Right. Right. But my question is like, where does this team get better? And if they do so, is there somebody they can add in free agency or is there somebody they can trade for? Cause they still have a bunch of picks that they can use for that. I just don't know if this team another year with them, especially without miles bridges, if they do get, I don't think they're going to get farther um, in this Eastern conference. Yeah. I would almost like if, if I was them, like I'd almost like be fine with just how this season turns out. I, 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 I don't know exactly what picks they hold. I think they have all their picks, if I'm not mistaken, or at least have protections on them. Um, but I think uh, it it wouldn't be necessarily like the worst thing if they actually did end up in like the lottery because maybe they could add like 
somebody that has a lot of potential next to LaMelo next year. And then um, going into the future, uh, if things don't end up going their way, like I, cause I think if you think about it, like this was like a fringe playoff team this year and then you take away their top score. Um, he might've even been their top rebounder if I'm not mistaken. Like, I don't think uh, Plumley was like setting it on fire with rebounds, um, or he was at least like in the top couple. I think Lamelo averaged a decent amount of rebounds. Yeah, no, he had um, five point nine rebounds for Bridges, which was point seven more than Lamelo at five point two, which is surprising because their starting center, Mason Plumley. It said Bridges averaged what, seven five point three. Oh, total rebounds. Oh, no, seven yes. rebounds. Yeah, yeah, total rebounds. I was talking about defensive yeah, total, rebounds, but oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I was just talking about in general. I, wasn't he one of their top rebounders? I, I think, uh, if not the best. Yeah, second best. I guess Mason Plumley had seven point yeah, seven total rebounds. So, yeah, but still, like that's like a b- bunch of scoring, a bunch of rebounding. Um, I, it wouldn't like shock me to see them like, like be passed by like a more fringe team, like say like even a team like Washington, if Bradley Beal plays the whole year and like, um, I'm not saying I, that's probably not like super like optimistic for Hornets fans to hear, but like, I mean, a lot of teams, like if you lose like that much production from your team, your team's obviously going to take a hit. So it's not like, like if you take away like cat from the Timberwolves, the T-Wolves are obviously going to take a hit, you know, and things like that. Um, but I think like this, this is a great chance for, for some guys like McGowan's and like Williams to get more run too, when like somebody that usually plays like 35 plus minutes a game isn't on the court. Um, so definitely like there's definitely just opportunity for Hornets players to step up and show that they like deserve to be a part of like the long-term plan there in uh, Charlotte. So um, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, what are your thoughts about uh, like Gordon Hayward? Do you think that he would, because of his contract have to be on the team or do you think they'd maybe be opening to trading them or something? I know, at, I know at one point I saw like some rumors of like potentially like him being in like a Westbrook trade and them just like buying out Westbrook. Um, Cause I think Gordon Hayward's got a pretty good size contract too. So um, any thoughts about Hayward or. Yeah, it's tough. Cause you know, Gordon's been going through this in his entire career since, you know, that injury in Boston. So I, I feel like a lot of teams Yuck. have just wanted, yeah, <laughs> right. they just <laughs> wanted to move him on. So, um, if you can find the right deal for him to bring in a quality player that can work well with LaMelo ball, I think, yeah, that's an opportunity that you could probably do. Um, but you do need, Gordon Hayward to play. So like if he does, if he misses time, it's going to be a lot tougher for them to trade him and get better equity yeah. back for him. So being able to, you know, have him play good and have a game plan set for him where he can be, you know, at this point, probably the second scoring option on the team uh, and get his value up where you can get maybe a draft pick, but more importantly, probably some good players to put around uh, LaMelo ball. What I want to see, though, is um, Mark Williams get some starting minutes at that center position. Uh, it probably won't happen right away, but I think later on in the season, as you know, maybe we see the Hornets slip a little bit, uh, you could see Mark Williams get some more 
playing time. Um, last year, they didn't have a single player that had over a block a game. So uh, if you put somebody in like Mark Williams, he's going to bring that defensive intensity. He's going to get you block shots. And then this, you know, works perfectly into transition for the ball and Terry Rozier and some of these players that can just push the pace and get, you know, easy buckets. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think, uh, yeah, if I, in regards to like, uh, like Hayward, I think like Hayward, but they'd probably only trade if like they could get like a pick or something for him. I, Cause I don't know if you, you get too many like young assets for him. Um, no, but get, yeah, like, I, I agree with that. Though. Yeah. You can maybe do that. I think, uh, you know, a good, uh, I, or I, I mean, I meant to say, I agree with like your Mark Williams take. I would love to see Mark Williams start at some point. Um, that that blocks uh, block statistic is actually pretty surprising that they, nobody averages single block on their team. Um, it kind of shows like the lack of rim protection that they had, and when you can't have anybody protecting the rim, that leaves a ton of uh, uh, going to the basket and then also dishing out too. Like when the lane's always open. Um, just makes defense tough in general. I, I know that because that was even a problem for the T Wolves last year, which is why they addressed it this off season. So it's it's actually a little bit funny that like the T Wolves and the Hornets actually play like fairly similar. Um, <laughs> I know we went to the T Wolves Hornets game this this past year, and um, we made uh, Miles Plumley look like he was prime Shaquille O'Neal on the boards that night. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think he, he had a big double, double. He might even add a triple-double that game. I'm not even joking. It was it was nuts. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, that I mean, the Hornets' biggest problem, like, the offense is never going to be a problem for this Hornets team. They have no. players that love to throw up shots on their team. The biggest thing is going to be defensive consistency and rebounding. And I think both their rookies can help towards that, but I also think like guys on the team have to step up too. Like Lamelo, Lamelo's a, a good defender, but I think at, at times he tries to just bait too much and uh, go for steals and stuff like that. And I think he's got to be a little more more sound and kind of you know lead with more just more than just like flashy plays, more like lead with intensity and stuff like that, um, which I think he's capable of doing. I've just, I've seen him lock in at times before, and uh, but I think that also that comes just with like a little bit more maturity of just like growing right. in the NBA. Um, yeah, I think the but, main thing with this team is like the one word. If you're a Charlotte Hornets fan, is patience, because like just like a lot of the younger talent in this league, like they got one of the youngest rosters in the league. So I think you know, letting this team progress and get a little bit more mature. And then maybe you see them in the playoffs or a play in tournament where they can get that experience as well. Um, is going to be a huge factor with how they progress as young players. And I think you could see them as like a, you know, a next, the next Memphis Grizzlies or Minnesota Timberwolves team where, you know, you see that young, young talent and hard work pay off in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also, keep in mind too that Lamelo changed his jersey number this year to number one. So we we saw number two Lamelo, and now we're about to see number one Lamelo. So 
Yeah, he put the league on notice this uh, year. So get re- get ready he, for Lamelo Lamelo one coming this year. So the whole point is what copy everything Anthony Edwards does, even jersey copy number. Anthony, dude, he's not copying Edwards. He he's just showing them that he he's a, one of the best young players in the league. I I Anthony Edwards has grown big time on me though, so I I won't even say that Lamelo is better than Anthony Edwards anymore. But I do still like Lamelo a lot, and I think that I think he's capable of some pretty big things. Um, I think, like, if you're a Hornets fan, like, anytime you have a player that's that good at that young of an age, you you just have to be excited for the future. Um, and I think I think things will come together eventually. Um, you know, we did, we haven't really talked much about it either, but like, uh, they also got a new head coach this year, um, I believe. Right, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. That's why I didn't mention it, but. Um, because I know last year, like their coach was doing some, you know, some annoying crap last year. If I'm being honest, like there was times where Lamelo he was, would bench Lamelo for no freaking reason, um, which was pretty annoying. If you if you watched any Hornets games last year, um, and I think, you know, just showing getting a coach that trusts your young star that knows that they're going to make mistakes and like keeping them out there through those mistakes, I think will be important. Yeah, so they they brought in Steve Clifford, who I believe coached the Orlando Magic from 2018 to 2021. So um, Clifford's done a pretty good job of, you know, developing young talent in the past. So maybe he can do the same thing for the Charlotte Hornets and not have those, you know, bad wonders, you know, wondering why, you know, the coaching has been so bad recently for Charlotte. So um, hopefully Steve Clifford can kind of fix that going forward. Yeah, and it looks like actually like Steve Clifford was uh, an assistant for Charlotte and the Bobcats um, in 2013 through 2018. So right, so he knows um, the system and the so the definitely fans. some system. Yeah, and like some consistency there. Um, oh, actually, no, he was their head coach actually in 2013 uh, through 2018. Yeah. So he only took a year off, actually. Um, I thought that name sounded familiar. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, I think I. I mean, and obviously, like that situation was like. I mean, you couldn't expect that much because that was an expansion team too. So he was dealt a pretty crap roster, but he also did it. I thought he did a great job of developing. Um, uh, what's his face? Uh, Kemba Walker. Like I thought he did yeah. a great job with Kemba. Um, so obviously the Mel and Kemba aren't the same player, but, um, not even, not yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it is weird there, though a, that they, no, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say that they're, you know, like it's good to bring in new people, especially like, I like that they, they didn't like drag it out and like give them another, like give them more years. And like, if something's not working, just, just move on. Like, honestly, like it, like, people like Lamelo and like young athletes like that, like you don't want to waste like precious years of development by like trying to make something work. That's just not going to work. So, you know, it's going to be good to see him get a different coach and see if that can, you know, like help out with different things. Um, 
hopefully like he brings a lot more defensive intensity to the team that they had been lacking. Um, but I think uh, I can't. Who was their other coach's name? I I can't remember off the top of my head either. Like, um, from last year, I can picture about? his face. Yeah, I can picture his face in my head, but I can't think of his name. Um, what is it? It's, it's not Salas or Cedas. No. Is it? That was the Rockets, I think. Um, I don't know if it I, pops in my I can't head, think but of yeah, if it pops in my head, I'll say it. But um, just bringing in a new, new coach, I think, will be good for this whole team. Um, it seems like they were honestly just seemed like they were dysfunctional at times last year. Like you know, because there was times where like they would go on these like great stretches like throughout games and like throughout the season where they'd win a couple um, like good games, and then like there was just other times oh. where they just like. What was it, James Borrego? Oh yeah, James Borrego. That's what. I thought. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, he was younger too, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Um, so he's may- one of the youngest coaches, and or was yeah, one of so, the youngest coaches. So may maybe it it was just like a little bit like getting somebody that's a little bit more experienced in there and kind of like can be more of like a head figure because like. I mean, Bray, that's that's why I was saying I could picture him because he was super young. So I, I think, uh, you know, maybe that'll help, like, with, like, getting more respect, too. Or, um, but, yeah, I don't know. I think that this team will be looking up eventually, even if it's not this year. But those are kind of my final thoughts about this team. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how they kind of come together, especially with all the, you know, stuff that's going on with Miles Bridges as well. But we will – Keep you guys uh, up to date with that when things come out about Miles uh, Bridges as well. But I think main key is just improve on defense. Steve Clifford's not really used or known for being a good defensive coach. Usually it's offense and game planning and getting your players in the right spots. So he's really good at that. Player development, he's pretty good at. So um, developing these young players is going to be the key. And then seeing which players can also bring that defensive intensity as well. Um, But with that being said, with the Charlotte Hornets wrapping up, let's get into talking point number two. So talking point number two, we have the Kevin Durant saga. Um, So Durant, just a quick timeline for you. Durant requested a trade on June 30th. Um, you know, things have kind of, you know, watered itself out and there hasn't been too much talk about trades. You know, they've tried to repair it. Um, they just had, uh, Durant just had a meeting with ownership discussing his future. Uh, sources say they didn't go, that it didn't go great. And Katie still wants to get a trade unless, unless they fire GM Sean Marks and coach Steve Nash. Um, in the meeting, he said, I quote, he de- he does not have faith in the team's d- direction. What do you think of that, Matt? Uh, yeah, I mean, that was a little bit, like, surprising for me just from the standpoint that, you know, it, it wasn't like nobody, like, reported exactly, but, like, you obviously have to think that, like, 
Kevin Durant had a big say in Steve Nash getting hired in the first place. So, I mean, he had no prior coaching jobs before that. Um, so, I mean, like, you just kind of think, like, what, who is he blaming here other than himself? Like, if, if Steve Nash wasn't the answer. Um, and that's, I mean, maybe Sean Marks pushed Steve Nash on him and he said, like, we're we're going to be doing this. But it seems like, like, they formed the team around Kevin Durant and like made pretty much every decision based off what Durant wanted. So like, you have to think he at least had some say in it. So it's a, it's a little surprising and it's kind of a little baffling, honestly. Like, I, right. I mean, I'd be curious to hear like more of what's going on behind the scenes. I'm sure we, we probably won't exactly because we could um, see it on some, Katie's burner account. Yeah, we maybe we maybe could see it on the burner account, but it just yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting, and then it's even more funny too that right after it, like almost immediately after it, Joe Sai said on Twitter that we're happy with the coaching staff and the GM, and we're doing right. we're doing what's best. We're doing what's best for the Brooklyn Nets, which basically saying we're doing what's best for us, not KD. So that's kind of funny that they put him in his place. Um, but yeah, I think this whole saga is just interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, personally, I find it just so odd that Katie wanted Steve Nash and wanted all these players on Brooklyn's team. And then it felt like he was solidified with everything when he went ahead and signed his four-year deal. And they still have great talent around him, you know, on this team with Kyrie, Ben Simmons, Joe Harris, added TJ Warren, Claxton, they re-signed. Patty Mills, they re-signed. Still got Seth, Cur- Seth Curry, you know, et cetera. Like, they have so much talent on this team. I just don't see, like, I don't see what his, long, like, what his game plan was going through this. Yeah, I'm not really sure either. Like, I, part of me kind of thinks that maybe it was, um, you know, like, maybe it was something, like, to do with, like, the Ben Simmons trade um, for Harden. Um, cause I, I, I was, I was starting to think maybe like, maybe he said he was fine, like trading Harden, like if they got somebody like Maxi or something instead of Simmons or like, maybe he like said something else that, that he'd be like fine with. Um, and then they went ahead and did it a different way or something. Um, but that doesn't really explain like the Steve Nash part of it. Um, but I could, I can see more ways that he'd maybe be mad at like Sean Marks. But at the same time, like, Sean Marks blew up this team for KD. Like, they had Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, Dinwiddie, and other guys that, like, this could have been a freaking squad if they would have kept some of these guys. Um, and I'm sure so the Kyrie I, you know, thing played a little bit into it as well. Yeah, and I'm sure that did too. But, like, at the same time, I, I feel like, there's a lot of blame to go around to everybody. And I feel like Kevin Durant doesn't take blame for it. Like, I think he, he kind of like just like throws people under the bus and then, you know, just, (laughs) I think that's kind of lame a little bit, just like from a a leader standpoint, like you kind of got to say like, Hey, I messed up too. Like, you know, some of these I shouldn't have pushed onto the team. Um, But I I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting that, it might come to a head. It might not. Um, it's tough trading a superstar because there's so many parts that have to move along with it. So um, I don't know if we're any closer to him being traded or not, but 
I mean, hey, he at least gave the media something else to talk about. So I guess that's it's good for the NBA media. <laughs> right. And he's given us some, some news too. So like with this news, like I have four possible trades that could possibly happen going forward. But um, one of them is just Boston Celtics. I think this is the one kind of everybody's been talking about lately. But it's Jalen Brown, Derek White, Grant Williams, three first-round picks. Um, which they only have three first-round picks to give, so that's why they can't give any more. Um, and then maybe you can add in a couple seconds as well. Um, the other one, though, is I think this is probably your favorite, Matt, I think, which is Toronto Raptors. It'd probably be OG Anubi, Gary Trent Jr., Thaddeus Young for cap filler reasons, uh, and then four first-round picks. You could swap in OG for Pascal if you wanted, but I'm not including OG and Pascal in the same deal. Yeah, for the Nets, it would be the best for them. But I think for, like, for a landing spot for KD, I feel like that could could end up being the best, depending on what they give up. Because I think for they the have Nets. the most like well rounded team out of them, just as far as like being able to give up assets. Because like Miami's got a really good team, and so did, um, I think. I mean, I think the Boston trade would be good too if they didn't give up Smart as well. But like, if teams are giving up two good players and stuff. Like, I think the Raptors are the best team that's capable of giving up two solid players for KD um, because they, I think they got a little bit more rounded players. Um, but I think uh, this this next trade that you came up with that I actually haven't seen a lot of, um, it's actually starting to be my favorite. I don't know if you want to talk about that one, um, the Spurs one. Yeah, so the next two trades that I have, yeah, the next two trades I have on here, um, I haven't heard anybody talk about them, but I think they're pretty good. Uh, this next one involves Miami Heat, actually. So it's a three-team deal just because um, of the addition of Bam Adebayo in the trade with the Heat. So it'd be uh, Bam Adebayo, Max Truce, Nikola Jovic, and four first-rounders uh, to Brooklyn. Uh, Brooklyn gives Kevin Durant to Miami. Uh, and then the San Antonio Spurs in that third team trade uh, Keldon Johnson and two first round picks for Ben Simmons. So that's, you know, a way for not only Brooklyn to get off of Ben Simmons, but also to take on Bam Adebayo. And then, you know, they can start off with having a young core of Bam Adebayo, Keldon Johnson, Max Struess, and then you got six first round picks right there. Not you know, and also having Kyrie Irving, who you're probably going to end up trading for picks as well in the future. So I think it works out for all three teams in that one that I kind of like. Yeah. Yeah. I like that one a lot, actually, because I think uh, getting, because they couldn't get Bama out of bio without trading Simmons because they're both on the rookie extension. Um, so that's part of the reasoning for that one that the fans didn't know. Um, but I think, because I, I think if they got were able to get Bam out of bio out of the KD trade, like that'd be great. And then um, I know some people would probably argue that Kellen Johnson's better than Ben Simmons. He's not. Um, I mean, he's been healthy, but he's not better than Ben Simmons. No. That's delusional. Um, but I think that Kellen Johnson's a, a great player, and I think he can be. Um, a great player for the Brooklyn Nets. So I think it that would be a good uh, – you'd be losing out on a little bit of value, but at the same time, like, if Simmons isn't playing that much, like – I mean, who knows with Simmons? Like, 
he was playing at a high level up until he went like a wall. <laughs> but um, uh, in general, I like that trade a lot. I think not only the players in the trade, but like getting six first round picks and then potentially getting a couple more out of Kyrie, like, and then they already have like a couple Sixers first round picks. So I think, I mean, they'd be sitting pretty <laughs> nice with picks considering they had to give up a couple to acquire Harden. So they'd be fine on picks that they like lost anyways, you know? Right. And then quickly, just the last trade, which might be the least likely to happen just because um, this Memphis Grizzlies team is kind of already, you know, fine with their young core, but um, spoiler alert, it is the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, so I have them trading, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., Dylan Brooks, and their first uh, first-round pick in Jake LaRavia, um, and then also four first-round picks to get Kevin Durant. So, I mean, I think it would be interesting to see, you know, the kind of a lineup between John Morant, Kevin Durant, um, and Desmond Bain. Um, and then you'd probably have either Stephen Adams or you, you could throw in Brandon Clark in there as well in that starting unit, and then... For Brooklyn, I think it doesn't make as much sense besides four first-round picks, and then you get, you know, a solid defender in Jaron Jackson Jr., um, good score in Dylan Brooks, and then a wild card in, in Jake. Yeah. I, I mean, if I was uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, I'd be smashing except on that trade. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if I was the Brooklyn Nets, I'd be – telling them to put Desmond Bain in the trade as well. Um, so I, I don't know if Jaron Jackson does it just for me, but um, they're actually a team that like could make a trade for him just because they have like a plethora of young guys that they could give up. Uh, they could maybe even give up Zari Williams because um, he's been looking nice at times too. But yeah, they're a team that could maybe make an offer. Uh, it'll, I could see them making an offer like during the year, but yeah, I like that trade. Right. Well, that's going to conclude it for here at the Shots Aside podcast. Uh, but before we go, uh, it's been 174 days since Brittany Griner was detained in Russia. Um, so from here at the Shots Aside with me and Matt, uh, we just want to, you know, hope that, you know, somehow we can get her back into the States um, to see her family, to see her friends. Um to kind of get her insight of what's been going on with her as well. Um, I know we've heard a little bit about it, but I'd love to just, you know, dive in deep and, and see, you know, what's going on in her head and, and how she's kind of been able to, you know, get through this tough time in her life. Um, but from us here at Shots Aside, uh, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Uh, make sure to send us some um, talking points at our Gmail account at shotsaside at gmail.com. Um, we will have another episode coming out tomorrow for you guys. Uh, that will be the Miami Heat, followed by the Orlando Magic and ending with the Washington Wizards. But until next time, guys, peace out. Peace. Uh, you got really into that Charlotte Hornets little gig right there. I, I could tell you really yeah, liked no, it. I was about to get, I was, I was about to get big into that uh, KD trade one, but I was like, I'll, I'll shorten it up. <laughs> no, it was good. It was good. <laughs>
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Lamella does, you know, maybe without Miles Bridges next year.